Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to a very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We are joined. We're going to talk some USC in the NFL Draft. Joined by Charles Davis, who's the lead college football analyst in the booth for Fox. He also covers the NFL for the NFL Network. He's an analyst there. Proud graduate of the University of Tennessee. And this is the busiest time of year for him with the NFL Draft coming up uh, tomorrow, less than 24 hours away when we're recording this. Uh, Charles, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Ryan. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter, CFD22, at CFD22. And we met way back, I think in 2008, Charles, when uh, I was doing stuff on college on the NFL Network, but for the college football show, and we were yeah. both doing that. And then we realized that my wife went to Tennessee, and, you're, and you went to Tennessee. So it was kind of a – it's been fun since then. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we, we, all, you know, we all marry up when we <laughs> – are lucky enough to take a take a spouse, but you married a ball, so that gives you a double jump. <laughs> Wait, did your wife go to Tennessee or no? Yeah, she's a ball. My, my wife's a ball as well, so it's, it's it's a pretty good deal for us. Very nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, Jan is very excited about uh, my wife is very excited about Butch Jones, and we'll see how uh, Tennessee does this year. I'm sure you're excited as well. Um, but we're going to talk about the NFL draft, and you know that there's a, several USC players that could go, and and you've been you know covering all these guys and watching film, so I want to be okay. Get your thoughts on some of these guys. I guess we could start with, uh, yeah, Leonard Williams. The uh, you know a lot of people think I think your mock draft you had him number three to uh, the ten, uh, not the Tennessee Titans to uh, was it the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. get your thoughts on Leonard. Yeah, I think he's the best player in the draft. I don't care if it's offense defense. I just think that what he brings to the table is scheme versatility. I can I think he will flourish whether it's a three four or four three. Most people see him as, as probably a three four defensive end with the skills to move inside on the nickel and sub packages and be a terrific pass rusher. He plays sideline to sideline. He plays end zone to end zone. Excellent motor. Last year we had Jadevian Clowney who was the uh, the number one draft pick, but there were always questions about his motor and whether he wanted to play hard all the time. You have none of those questions with Leonard Williams. He's played hurt, played with a bad shoulder all of last year. He could have shut it down in the bowl game. Um, he knew he was going to be one of the top picks in the draft. Instead, he was an absolute force in that game. His whole makeup just screams success. And then you throw in those physical abilities as well. And he's the number one player, as far as I'm concerned, in this entire draft. He uh, He's a guy that um, just doesn't seem to have a lot of downside. I mean, it just seems that if there's not a lot of can't-miss guys, he seems like he's one of them. I was on Jacksonville Radio, and they were asking me about him, and they wanted to know, like, what's what's wrong with him? And I kind of had a hard time coming up with <laughs> stuff. I didn't know. Like, he didn't, he didn't like, gather stats. Like, he didn't have, you know, tons of sacks or things right. like that. Maybe, I don't know. Was there a downside that you saw? I don't think that there's much of a downside. I think that if, if there is one, if he's a 4-3 defensive end, I'm not sure that he's going to be the, the 15 sack guy. But I will say this, I'm not sure he wouldn't be. You know, I think that in college football, you're able to move more people towards a player who's, who's skillful. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. If the defensive lineman, I think that the offenses will add more people to the mix to try and block him. 
because they don't feel like the other guys are going to hurt them as much. So when you have that going, you just go ahead and, and, and you bring two or three guys towards him and you play. That's where, that's where I think in the pros he's going to be much more the one-on-one guy. I think that makes sense. USC was uh, didn't blitz a whole lot, and I did I did a story this year where they were the, they blitzed the fewest amount of any of the teams in the Power Five conferences. So he was facing a lot of double teams. I guess that could oh, yeah. kind of hinder the stats a little bit. Yeah, I think so, and I think that that's that's part of what happened with some of these great players because even the edge rushers we're talking about in this draft being the best ones, who leaps out at you with you know a ton of sacks. There aren't many of them. Yeah. You know, Shane Ray was, what, 12, 13 sacks on the year? But Dante Fowler Jr., who most people believe is the number one um, edge rusher in the draft, what do you have, eight and a half? Yeah. So you know, it's not always just compiling the stats. It's being able to figure out what their athleticism, were they double and triple team, did they play on good teams or not. You know, Bud Dupree at Kentucky, his stats might not measure up because his team wasn't as good. You know, they, they, they didn't get a chance to get out ahead and rush the passer as much as other people. They might have been on the field more. We could go through a litany of things. Sometimes it sounds like we're making excuses for guys. Yeah. <laughs> I just think we're trying to make sure we keep it all in perspective. But I remember Leonard Williams from his freshman year hitting USC. I remember Lane Kiffin telling me that that year, Charles is an SEC defensive end. And that's a compliment in college football. Yes, it people is. People get hung up on, on, on the conference affiliations and, and like, well, we played in a – Relax. What that means in, in football terms is a high cut, high motor, superb athlete who can go after, who can go out and get people. Because SEC is known for their defensive front, and that's just kind of how it is, and they probably always will be. It's the style of style that they play. It's just a compliment. It's not to say that other conferences aren't great, because we know that's not the case. All right. Well, great stuff on Leonard Williams. Wanted to talk about Nelson Aguilar, who. Maybe a month ago, and we talked to uh, your your colleague uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Move the sticks. I think at the yeah. time he was saying second or third round, and I think you had him up at number fourteen to the Dolphins. Like he's he's yeah. a guy that got a lot better apparently after the the football season that did. Yeah, it seems seems a little strange, doesn't it, that a guy can get that good without playing or working <laughs> out? And I think what happens, Ryan, is is we have our judgments. We also, in part of our judgments, is what we're hearing. You know what we're hearing from teams, what we're hearing from the league. And he's gone through the process, and things have shaken out, and people have gone back over tape, gone over things. He's been a very consistent player, and that's something that you've seen during his time at USC. The guy's getting better every year. You hear about the work ethic, takes pride in being a technician and a craftsman. T. Martin, his wide receivers coach, the co-offense coordinator there at USC, told me early on he's a young Reggie Wayne. The way he gets in and out of breaks, in and out of cuts, in fact, when Marquise Lee was there and was gathering all the, the, the accolades, he told me that Marquise was learning how to practice like Nelson, and that was a good thing. Wow. Remember, Nelson Aguilar was a high school running back, had to learn how to be a receiver, made himself into one. I think he's his best football ahead of him. And so on my list of top receivers, I think I had Nelson Aguilar at number seven, I believe, was, was the number that I had. But a lot of other teams on their draft boards had him higher. Hence, from what I'm hearing, from what I'm guessing, he's risen to number 14 in Miami on my mock draft. I think you're going to find him in a lot of mock drafts. <laughs> you know, as we as we hit this one, I think my colleague Mike Mayock on Wednesday night is doing his one and only mock draft. Yes. I'll be shocked if Nelson Aguilar isn't prominent in that mock draft somewhere in the top 20. 
That's great. Yeah, Mike's been great. We you know, we both did that college football show back in the day. He actually came out to the. I think you were at the Alabama Pro Day, and uh, Mike was at the yeah. USC one. And it was it's always fun to kind of talk with him. And that guy. I mean, you guys are all. He just watches film constantly. It seems like it doesn't seem that much of a life outside of that. <laughs> he is a flat out worker with great intellect, great eye for talent, great evaluator. That's why that's why I believe he's the best in the business. And I say that with no disrespect to people who I really respect, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays of the world. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah is, is absolutely fantastic, my colleague. Well, Mike's been doing it for a while, and it's been the, the, the face in the front of it. He's the best in the biz, and we're all trying to get to that level. Yeah, when you, if you were anyone out there, USC fans, you definitely want to watch the NFL Network's uh, coverage of the NFL draft. He just does a great job. But they, the, whole, the network does a great job, and uh, Charles is a big part of that. It's a lot of fun to watch him. Um, Josh Shaw is a guy that, uh, seemed to kind of rebuild his career after that unfortunate incident, which seemed, you know, we knew him pretty well, seemed very out of yeah. place. It didn't seem like it was something that was normal. I think he won some of the NFL people over during that interview process, finding out that, okay, this wasn't really a thing that defined him. What are your thoughts on Josh Shaw? Well, he's just such a versatile player. And yes, he went through the incident and everyone would tell you that they, they're, they're just in shock that, that that was Josh Shaw. No one. You know, that's why the story was so believable in the beginning. Hey, if Josh said it, it's got to be true. So he has, he has, he's got to work through that. I think a lot of people feel much better about him. They don't feel like this is a chronic problem with him. It's something that happened. I think embarrassment will lead you to try and hide things. And then when they pop up, then you have to live with the embarrassment anyway. But as a player, big corner or big safety, either way you want to go, he's a big guy. Cover two teams probably will like him at the cornerback position because he can go up and body up receivers, knock them off their routes, alter things, and really funnel them towards where the defense is strongest. As a safety, he's able to, to play both in the box and cover people because he has that type of skill set. So I think that ultimately he'll swing the safety, and that's where he'll find his best, uh, best home. And let's face it, Ryan, in today's football, those big tight ends, those big receivers are coming to the slot position made the order for guys like Josh Shaw to go have to go cover them. That's that's what you have to have. Because the linebacker mismatch with the best tight ends is one the tight ends are going to win a lot more often. The defensive back thing, if you want to throw a corner on those tight ends, it's harder because size is usually going to get them. Josh Shaw is not going to be overwhelmed by as much size because he's already a 200-plus pound guy with some length. I just keep thinking of the Gronks of the world the Jimmy Grams of the world, Josh Shaw is the type of, type of safety that you need to try and cover those guys. Sweet. Um, all right, we'll, we'll do a couple more. I don't want to keep you too long, uh, Charles. A former defensive back yourself, so I know you like talking about Josh Shaw. But uh, Buck Allen, <laughs> you know, Buck Allen is a guy that, you know, running back's not been a position that's uh, – been going real high in the draft. I mean, they're talking about Gurley this year and stuff, but he doesn't have a lot of mileage on him. You know, what do you think about where Buck Allen could go and how he's looking? Yeah, yeah, I think he's a very productive player. I think that he will be drafted below where his production was in college. So the one thing I keep getting from personnel people about him is that he doesn't make a lot of people miss, you know, they, and he doesn't break a ton of tackles. I thought that he was a very good player for USC, and he said their spread was that Keith Sarkeesian brought perfectly. And reminded me a little bit of Bishop Sankey. Yeah. The Bishop Sankey that Washington had. Um, maybe not quite as strong as Sankey, but again, I'm big on the guys with a lot of production. I will say it one more time. He may be underdrafted, 
but he probably will over-deliver. I think he's got a chance to be a pretty decent player, but he's got to get to a place where they will let him touch the ball. And he can catch it out the backfield, and you have to have that skill set in the NFL now. Yeah. Uh, Hayes Pillard's a linebacker that had a lot of production, but, you know, kind of an undersized guy. I think USC's trying to transition now into bigger linebackers, but yeah. do you think he has a spot in the NFL somewhere? I think that he does. I think, it again, it'll be third day. People have to understand, third day sounds miserable, right? But third day <laughs> is round four through seven. So, you know, if you go third day in the fourth, fifth round, that's not, that's not, that shouldn't ruin what you're doing. Very heady guy, obviously productive, as you noted. But a guy who knows how to be in the right place in the right spot. you got to live down the, the Hail Mary path. It's going to drive him crazy forever. Or whatever, or what Arizona State calls the jail Mary, where Jalen Strong caught that one yeah. because he just didn't play the ball very well. But that's not going to be his forte anyway. He's going to line up, know where the play is going to be, diagnose it, attack, and make tackles. Well, as you said, a little bit undersized will keep him from going before, I believe, day three. But I think he's got a chance to make something on the football team. One of the more interesting ones is George Farmer that a lot of people didn't think he should come out. I think he had 30 career catches while at USC. He was a five-star yeah. guy coming out of high school. Um, but, you know, Robert Woods had success, Marquise Lee had success, and George Farmer never really did. But he ran a really fast 40 time at the pro day, and that might get him drafted, it seems like. It could be because you just look at him. He's body beautiful. Potential's always been there. People waiting for it to come out. I know a lot of people thought he should have stayed in school. I think as many injuries as he's had, I get why he came out. And, I mean, this, this poor guy, I mean, he's trying to find a way to make a team and, and move forward without the injury bug, keeping it from giving it his best shot. Again, he shouldn't be drafted super high. He doesn't have enough production to justify it. He's had the injury issues along the way, so that's going to be a medical question for NFL teams. As you noted, athletically, there are really not that many questions about it. He's bounced back from the injury, still runs extremely fast, and you just look at him and you think, he should be a big-time receiver, right? I mean, you just look at the body, you look at him, him run, and you think, my goodness, if I can't work with him and make him a big-time player, then I'm not a very good coach. Injuries have held him back. Again, someone to me, Ryan, takes a flyer on him in the sixth or the seventh round, or you're fighting for him to be a priority free agent. But he's got a chance to make it if he can just stay healthy. Um, there's a couple more. I, we'll just do these real quick, if you don't mind. But the J.R. Tavai's okay. the guy I'll, that – yeah, yeah. you got to go, I'm sure. J.R. Tavai no, – I'll, I'll do quick hitters with you. Okay. <laughs> J.R. Tavai um, – Led the team in sacks, you know, as a production. I don't know if he would get drafted or ends up as a free agent somewhere. What, what do you think about him? Yeah, I think high motor, a guy who just finds his way back to the quarterback, and, and a guy who's stuck with it. I think people are always trying to replace a guy like J.R. Tavai, but he's just so darn tenacious in what he does. I don't think athletically he's going to test out well enough that teams are going to say, well, we have to absolutely have him. I think if he gets to someone's camp, I think it'll be hard to cut because I think he'll be a core special teams guy, playing all the special teams, play with great effort, and then you'll find find him making plays, and that's when he gets tough to cut. Uh, again, yeah. I'm not sure he'll be a front-line guy. I think he'll be a guy who could be a core player for a team. Uh, Gerald Bowman was a quick just a quick one. He ended up getting arrested with the Morris Twins from the Phoenix Suns, so that that could like knock any chance he had. He was a kind of a long shot anyway, but I don't know if you got to see yeah. the film of him. Yeah, when you're a long shot and you're involved in something like that, you're a no shot. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe free agent somewhere down the road if he doesn't get yeah. arrested. Yeah, um, that, 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 would be, that would be the thing. Yeah. Again, another guy that I thought was, was, was productive for USC and actually helped stabilize the secondary when he was on the field because he covered up for other people. 
Um, you know, they had so much trouble with the safety position opposite him this year. Yeah. He was a very valuable player in terms of that. But he doesn't have a trait he doesn't have very many traits that just stick out and make you say, Go get him and as you said, when you run that kind of trouble, you know, that usually leads to uh okay, we'll, we'll wait it out with UNC and see what see what we have later. Yeah. And then the last two was Randall Telfer the tight end or Andre Walker, the offensive Guard tackle. I, I don't know if you think either of those two guys uh, have a shot at making an NFL roster. Well, Telfer is, is much more of your traditional Y, what they call the Y position tight end, an inline blocker, and get down to him, catch some passes. You know, he's battled through injuries through his career, as you well know. You know, I felt like every game I saw him, he had a ding here or a ding there, and that made it a little bit tough. And now with wide with tight ends, really want to be wide receivers. He's not your traditional guy. He's probably born. 20 years too late, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he probably would have been seen as a more valuable tight end in, in a different type of a game. Uh, Andre Walker's a guy who should be a big-time player. Obviously, something went way wrong with him and the new staff with Steve Sarkeesian because this is a guy who was starting as a freshman, looks the part, the whole deal. But I, don't, I just don't, you know, I don't know what the full story is, but zero production last year. I know he's probably like he came out early, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Oh no, he was so, a he was a senior. Oh, oh, yeah, was he a senior? Yeah. Well, it, it, just, it just was not the way to 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 come out, but he didn't have any other choice. But just really a bad last year, and I'm not sure where the blame lies or if it lies in between. But again, he's a guy that that looks like someone who should be a player, but we haven't seen that type of production both last year and probably Ryan, not nearly the production he should have had the year before either. Yeah, you know, I think he has a shot just because he actually came in when USC's left tackle Chad Wheeler went down. He played really well against Utah, which you know has a great front. But then he never, right. they never, came, they moved Toa Lobanon over. And he never came in again. So, like you said, something with the staff there. But he seems like he's talented yeah. enough to to play at the next level. He's talented enough. You just get the sense that after he played as well as he did against Utah, because we did that game and he did a nice job. Nate Orchard and and, and that front was, was was a heck of a pass rushing crew. But just got the sense that staff just did not trust him. Yeah. And and and, and if and with the fantastic case, that's what the NFL guys are asking the staff. They will have more reasons of why, and it's up to him to prove that, that he's not what what that what, what they've been hearing about, and and go to work. But he has enough talent that he should be able to to have a shot of playing in the league. All right. Well, he's Charles Davis. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. Of course, the NFL Network, all of the the coverage of the NFL draft. Watch him there, and this fall. With Fox, he's the lead analyst uh, there. You can see him in the booth, and uh, he has a great time with that. And it's always fun when you come out and do the Pac-12 games in, in USC. It's fun to be able to see you, Charles. So thanks for so much for coming on. really appreciate you taking some time. All right. Thanks for having me, Ryan. All right. That was the great Charles Davis joining us on the Peristyle Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at CFD22. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Thanks to Charles for breaking down all of the USC targets. Hope you enjoy watching the NFL Draft. First round on Thursday, second round on Friday, third round on Friday, and of course, rounds four through seven on Saturday. So watch where all the USC players go, and you can get all the analysis on uscfootball.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.